One of my restaurant teachers mm -hmm. who knew someone who was the maitre d' of the finest, one of the finest hotels in the world that was called the Claridges. And that's where uh, the young Philippe takes his little suitcase and at the age of 18 moves to London. Wow. And I get to work in the fifth most famous hotel in the world in yeah. 1988. So that was your first I was my very first job. Wow. But you were you were bussing tables for that, right? So I was bussing tables at first. So I'm a young uh, I'm a young bus guy, and because I work hard and uh, and they enjoy what I'm doing, I found myself being uh, the bread guy of the VIP station, mm. which then leads me at the age of 18 to put pieces of bread on Lady Di's table on Prince Charles, wow. and really at the time most of the kings and queens who were alive. Uh, we're coming to the restaurant. Uh, it was really a fantastic time. Uh, that that time, those two years that I spent at the Claridges, I really ended up doing that. My career sort of peaks and goes down after the day where I'm chosen as well to be during one of the banquets were happening at the hotel for the ambassadors of uh, the ambassadors of uh, of London, um, where I did put a piece of bread on uh, on the Queen of England's table. So <laughs> kind of went downhill. Now I'm. Uh, now I'm stuck in my life. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I you, served the you queen peaked early. Yeah. <laughs> I, picked right, eight, yeah. I picked at 18, and it's been the, a that, steep way down yeah. since then, guys. That is, so, a, that so is amazing. So, hotel. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The More You Know, The Better It Tastes, where we talk to and interview some of the best chefs, restaurant owners, and influential people in San Antonio. So excited to be here with Alan Williams. Hey, Susie. Thank you very much. We, uh, the more you know, the better it tastes. As you know, is the podcast of San Antonio restaurants. Yes. We're a Facebook foodie group, uh, largest in North America, I think. Absolutely. I can't find another group, maybe largest in the world. Let's mm -hmm. just say that. <laughs> We're, Let's uh, just we, claim the it. largest in the world. That's right. <laughs> so let it be. It <laughs> <That's> is. Right. <laughs> Susie, one of my favorite people in the world is here today. We have Philippe Place. So excited. From the Southerly Group. And so welcome, Philippe. Susie, and thanks for having me this morning. Very so excited to, uh, to be here with you and uh, ready to discuss all of the exciting things that 24 is going to bring to us and as well what led me here to be this morning and uh, a little career of serving people. Oh, that's awesome. so, so cool. So Philippe is part of the ownership group. They started with Southerly. I guess they started. We'll find out. But I think they started with Southerly and then Southerly Hot South and then everyone's favorite, Manchushu. Which uh, man, that that's uh, that really took took uh, San Antonio by storm. So uh, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, but you're very busy. But I wrestled you down this time and held you and brought you in, uh, <laughs> and, and so we're we're glad to have you. So tell us about yourself. Where you know you you've got that South Texas accent. I can tell I, you must I, be from. Uh, I surely from, like, do. Seguin, that's what, maybe that's what happened when you live on the east side of 1604. <laughs> but you just sound a little bit different. No, have a little twang to born, your voice. <laughs> born and raised in France, uh, I grew up in a small town called Chartres, which is about an hour. West of uh, West of Paris, no. With a mom and dad, uh, we're hardworking people. Though dad who had a little, uh, who was a plumber, and mom who, who was an accountant. Uh, from uh, a family who previously owned restaurants and bars, uh, and then there was uh, for one of them on my mom on my dad's side. I was at the turn of the century, so oh, wow. late 1800s, wow. early 1900s, and then my grandparents on my mom's side, uh, who had a little bar in Chartres uh, right before the second. Uh, the Second World War. So that thought that I was going to be a plumber and mm -hmm. take over for him, though, and I had, I had other plans. <laughs> I, yeah, I bet. And, and let me say for everyone, once you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
thrilled that you're listening to the podcast. Thank you very much. When you go onto our Facebook page and and look at some of the pictures from today, you'll see a picture of Philippe with his, it's not Philippe, but uh, with his great grandparents in front of their restaurant in the late 1800s, right? Yeah, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Amazing so. picture. So we'll have that on, on the thing. You can see that. That's really cool. I, I really wanted to bring that because to me, this is who I am. Though. That's a, I yeah. think it's very important. And I had the chance, I think, at the age of 14 to be strong enough to hold to, uh, to my dad and say, like, Dad, I don't want to do plumbing. <laughs> I really want to be in the restaurant, uh, restaurant world, which he was sad at first, but was very supportive. Both mom and dad were... Uh, incredibly supportive to send yeah. me to... Uh, Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one sister, absolutely. Okay. Sister who's a social worker and dedicated to uh, to help kids with Down syndrome. So oh, wow. How wonderful. wonderful uh, so she didn't become a plumber either. She did right. not become a plumber. <laughs> so did you, was there a lot of cooking in your home? A lot of... Uh, there was a lot of cooking because my grandmother uh, lived with uh, lived with us after mm-hmm. the after the after my grandfather passed. And she moved in with us and all of that. And we lived in a little hometown, but we had a good-sized garden. So... She was a fantastic gardener. So mm-hmm. we grew up as well where it would be a little strange to think, but I did not take a single meal at school uh, until, I went to, uh, until I went to high school. So mm-hmm. we would come for lunch uh, every single day. And then wow. my grandmother was cooking, for, uh, was cooking for all of us. So I knew nice. nothing but fresh product and all of wow, that. I think a big nice. part of that. Another part of me being who I am today was the fact that my grandmother on my dad's side... Um, after church on Sunday, uh, would insist to have everyone uh, coming over to the house. And when I say everyone, my dad was one of 10, uh, oh, and wow. I had 27 cousins. So oh, my goodness. Wow. We all lived around uh, uh, the same area. So often after church, we will all go there. And I was fascinated that my grandmother was about to put three meals together because we were doing the little kids, mm-hmm. then we were doing the teenagers, and the teenagers will be serving the uncles and aunts. Wow. And my grandmother would have cooked that entire things for a feast that was for 50, 60 people wow. almost every Sunday. And every I remember Sunday. like staying in the side of the kitchen and being fascinated to see her sure. working. And that's something that stuck with me. That's amazing. So when you were uh, in, in school and going home every day to eat lunch, were, did some of your friends, they, they brought junk, you know, the, 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 the typical so, young person. No. So I was wondering if you know, you were jealous, like, oh, man, they get to eat ding-dongs from... <laughs> so no, way, way back then, again, having grown into a little small uh, small town, most of the kids were going, uh, were going home for the lunchtime. Uh, mm. But as well, uh, the cafeteria that we had at school uh, uh, could have definitely been a restaurant. Things were a lot wow. different, yeah. I would say, 40 years ago. Or, mm-hmm. uh, actually, that would be almost 45 years ago. Mm. The food in the... In, in the school that I was going was pretty outstanding. So yeah, yeah. there was a there wasn't what we see today where uh, my kid who goes to one of the one of the high school they actually have a uh, Instagram account uh, and I won't tell you where he goes because I want to be nice. Uh, right. But the kids are actually <laughs> doing review on the food that's being served They're and it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious because. It is not pretty. It is when not the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I so always funny. wonder too. You know, I mean, you're you grew up in France and the or, or Paris rather, right? Yeah. Outside of Paris. Outside mm-hmm. of Paris in this little town. So yeah, I imagine you know the food is so different, and um, you know even in the schools and like you're oh, saying com- completely. And it's um, but at the same time, what's funny is that my parents were very simple people. Uh, I come from a blue collar family and all of that. So we had a lot of the same thing, and everything was cooked. Very well, but my parents were the least adventurous <laughs> people when it came to food. And for yeah. me, mm-hmm. the food really comes later. Uh, 
when I started working in nice places after, mm -hmm. uh, I was very lucky that after culinary high school, I was able to, um, I was a bit of a troublemaker in high school. You would be surprised at that, Alan. <laughs> really? But, yes, uh, I am. I was a little bit. So at the end of high school, when miraculously I managed to get my exam and pass all of the exams, um, my father very, very kindly and very loving me, asked me to leave the house uh, and go and <laughs> live on my time. own. So, <laughs> right. I think he was like, I'm done with you. Yeah. We've already paid for we three the years. best we could. Right. Uh, and he was like, really, right. now you need to get a job, Philip. So, uh, and I was lucky. I went, to, uh, I went to London. I was able to find, uh, uh, have a great opportunity that presented itself uh, from one of my restaurant teachers mm -hmm. who knew someone who was the maitre d' of the finest, one of the finest hotels in the world that was called the Claridges. Um, And that's where uh, the young Philippe takes his little suitcase and at the age of 18 moves to London. Wow. Uh, and I get to work in the fifth uh, most famous hotel in the world uh, in yeah. 1988. So that was your first? That was my very first job. Wow. But you were, you were bussing tables for that, right? So I was bussing tables at first. So I'm a young, uh, I'm a young bus guy. And because I work hard and, uh, and they enjoy what I'm doing, I found myself being... Uh, the bread guy of the VIP station, mm. which then leads me at the age of 18 to put pieces of bread on Lady Di's table, on Prince Charles. Wow. And really at the time, most of the kings and queens who were alive uh, were coming to the restaurant. Uh, there was really a fantastic time. Uh, that that time, those two years that I spent at the Claridges, I really ended up doing that. My career sort of peaks and goes down after the day where I'm chosen as well to be during one of the banquets were happening at the hotel for the ambassadors of uh, the ambassadors of uh, of London, um, where I did put a piece of bread on uh, on the Queen of England's table. So, oh. kind of went down here. Now I'm uh, now I'm stuck in my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you, I served the Queen in, early. Yeah. <laughs> I picked right, at eight. Yeah. I picked at eighteen, and it's been the, a that, steep way down yeah. since then, guys. That is so, a, that so is so amazing. So Hotel Claridge, right? Claridge's. Is, that, is the, it is it still in business? Oh, today? it's still in business. It's a fantastic. Uh, it's one of those hotels where, uh, yeah, that, that incredible place that you're showing. Um, at the time, though, it was 145 rooms. There was over 650 employees wow. working, at the, working at that. A lot of the things that I know and that I use today are things that were taught to me during those two years mm -hmm. because the level of service uh, was so incredibly high. Um, That those were lessons that I learned for uh, mm -hmm. forever. No. And and that did that kind of concrete your decision to stay front of house? Totally did, totally did. Because as well, after such a prestigious experience, when I came back to Paris uh, after my two years spent in uh, in London, I found myself being able to get very good jobs uh, right away. I mean, people were impressed that it was the first job that I was able to do so. Mm -hmm. As soon as I come back from London and I make my way to Paris, I went back to the hotel where the general manager was kind of the, the speaker for our graduation. And at the time, there was no, I asked for a management position. When you come from high school in France, they don't really give you a management position. So, mm -hmm. but again, I was lucky. Uh, a couple of months after I started there to be like a room service uh, captain, um, a position become available in uh, the back of the house uh, department, so what we mm. call stewarding. And that was my very first job uh, in management was at the age of 20 to find myself wow. in charge of all of the banquet, uh, the banquet guys uh, mm -hmm. and the dishwasher. So um, lucky enough, again, 
three months after I'm being named the assistant chief back of the house, well, the, the chief of the, the back of the house makes a bad decision and gets canned. And then I go and walk to the general manager's office who had no idea who I was, but my uniform was very clear. He was like, what do you want? And I was like, I want my boss position though. He was like, you're too young. You, know, you don't know what you're doing. I was like, I don't disagree with you, but don't raise my salary. Just keep me at minimum wage where you have me right now, but I want a chance to become a head of department. He was like, you got two months to prove me that you can do it. And I did it. And you did it. And I did wow. it. Wow, and, and good I kind for of you. Went like that. So that yeah. hotel was the hotel. Uh, and I'm going to mention that because that would lead us to a little bit of uh, what happens later with Solidi. So that name was the Hotel Lutetia on the left bank, uh, right across from Le Bon Marché in the sixth arrondissement. So just uh, a very beautiful uh, place in Paris. But um, to, to move forward with what I did in Paris after the Lutetia, I had the chance to uh, go and do my military service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, as a French citizen, you're, you're bound to ser- service. Is so that I was one of the last two years mm-hmm. who had to do that. So two years after for the kid, for the, the people born in 73, uh, after 73, you did not that have ended. to do mandatory time. Okay. I had the best time. Uh, I served 18 months. I was a sergeant uh, for, uh, for the French army. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in the division that we call the train, which is transportation. Mm-hmm. But, more importantly, I spent 18 months wearing my tuxedo because I was waiting on the five-star general who was my boss and who was as well the first commander of the Gulf War. So wow. alongside <laughs> with General Schwarzkopf wow. that I waited on a few times, no? uh, I served the General Rogjoffre and was his personal maitre d' for, uh, for 18 months. So, so what all were your, were your responsibilities? It wasn't just food, just anything that he needed, you were so there for So anything that he needed. We were a big team. Uh, we... We, he, he lived like a, like a king. And mm-hmm. There was a king-like sort of status in the military. Yes. So between the drivers, the cooks, the servers, and the cleaning crew, uh, there was about 25 of us lead, I mean, really like waiting on him uh, and as well to the general. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the place where I was assigned to was the, was the headquarters of a, of a specific part of the French military mm-hmm. who can gather 25,000 troops in less than 24 hours and wow. send them anywhere in Europe in case of a conflict. So it was a pretty intense kind of place, but we were literally like, personally, I was detached to uh, to General Rogjov, but we were serving those guys uh, mm-hmm. every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So wow. there was an entire crew of uh, of people doing that, and we, we mean, were there. And it, it's, so amaz- it's so amazing, you know, these unbelievable experiences that you have been kind of pushed into through your career. I was, <laughs> I always it's, say that, uh, people say, well, it's not luck. I, I don't know about that. You know, when, when people very humbly say, like, I, I just had opportunities that came to me that I was able to grab. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and, 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 but you and, have talent, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's What I think started for me truly was the fact that as soon as I started to work, no, I went into one of the best places in the world. I yeah. think that that training that I received during those two years mm-hmm. really determined everything else that happens to me because... I was taught to operate at the highest level, at the very, and the people who taught me during that time, I am so incredibly thankful and finding myself becoming more and more of them as I get older and truly understanding Mm -hmm. the meaning and the message and the toughness Mm -hmm. that I experienced back then was really something now that I'm like, oh my God. It makes so much sense. Yeah. This now is I why get it. So, yeah. they taught me that. So, so something that um, – so before I met you, Alan had mentioned to me, he said, 
wait till you meet Philippe. He said, he is somebody that, you know, he, he I, I think the very first time that you met Alan, he came back and um, to Monshushu many months later, and you knew exactly who he was. You knew his name, you knew everything. And I was like, really? Wow. I said, such a, t- such a talent. And, you know, I, I of course believed him, but um, I, we had a meeting and many months later we ran into each other again at a festival and you came right up and you know knew my name and said I was blown away so that that is such a talent that's a talent yes that is something that was given to me and I'm so thankful for uh, for that because this is not something that you work on I meet you once I've met you for the rest of my that's life it. you know I have a, such a photographic memory mm-hmm. of people and conversations um and that's really like, thank God for whoever gave me that. And I don't know. I think that was my dad who was like that, though. Your dad uh, was like that? I'm Are your very, kids like that? very thankful for uh, for that little piece of uh, of talent that was passed on to me. Because when you run restaurants oh, and when you're in the front of the house, this is one of And it's very hard as well. That's something that I always tell the guys, though. I really, this is the greatest feeling in the world. There are little restaurants that I go to in San Antonio where when the server recognizes you and knows what you're going to have, this is the, the whole... warmest feeling in the world. And that's Absolutely. really what we teach as well in the restaurant, mm-hmm. being able to remember a guest preference, something, a detail that has been touched, makes you feel very valuable. And as well tell my guys that the second that we interact with customers, I'm able to entirely cut myself off from anything that's around me to just be present for the person when you talk to them to the to the table. And I really stress that out to my servers as well, that the second that you hit the table, do not start looking around for the two. Do not start looking around with the fact that you just got double and triple sat and the hostess just made a boo-boo. <laughs> do not let that, because the guest will know mm-hmm. if you focus your attention in the moment and in the need of the guest, I think you, from the get-go, you just set the tone of what the dining experience is going to oh, be. For That's sure. to me yeah. is the it, key of huge. good customer service. I, I, it's huge. I mean, to, to, to have somebody come up, I, I think Alan had mentioned that not only did you come up and say, you know, oh, you know, you knew his name, but you even remembered what he had ordered um, yeah. months ago that he, that he was there. I, it just yeah. blows so me away. It, it's and, funny and because amazing. my wife would wonder why I can't remember <laughs> what she told me five minutes <laughs> right. ago. So, and I've never fully explained that, that <laughs> phenomenon. But uh, I, think, I think part of it, and you tell me if you think I'm right. I, you like people, don't you? Yeah, but I like my wife. Don't me. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah, don't make me, don't make me <laughs> say that. Like Kimberly, I love that. you. No, but I, I think remembering names and remembering <laughs> stuff is because you do like people so much. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I think that's part of This is the fuel. Um, you could not be spending so many hours doing what we do if there wasn't the reward of all those hours. No, mm-hmm. I love meeting people. I love listening to the story of people. I'm a good storyteller. I love mm-hmm. telling stories. That does brings a little bit of entertainment. We are in entertainment. When people ask me what we do, we entertain people and we feed people. I've never seen my business as anything else, that one of the greatest gifts that's being given is that we entertain people and we feed people. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love to feed people? I mean, it's something that uh, I, I won't get biblical or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it's something that the big moments of life, they, to me, they happen around the table. Yeah. They, they truly like, they are moments that are mm-hmm. shared moments around the food, uh, are things that have been there forever. You always see as late as you can see 
moments of communions are around a fire mm -hmm. from the Neanderthal until today's finest <laughs> restaurants. So mm -hmm. true. There yeah. is something the very special about having yeah. friends yes. around. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I, I think you'll be a, a good person to ask. I've struggled with this for a while, and I've asked a lot of restaurant owners, but I think you're going to have some insight. From time to time, Beverly and, we, Beverly and I go out to eat all the time. And sometimes we'll go to a restaurant and has really good food, but she'll say, it's just not fun. And I've tried, I've struggled with, I, I know exactly what she means, but I don't know how to define that. What makes a uh, what makes a restaurant fun? Why, why does some one restaurant people want to come back and others they don't? If I manage to answer that question, I'm going to take that. We're going to write a book and we'll become instant millionaires. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do with it. All, with all the years that I've been doing that, Alan, I think I have some answer to that. But it's very true that sometimes you walk into restaurants that are beautiful, that have done been done very well. And it's just not clicking. It's just like the magic is not happening. And, and that one, I often know and think of what the magic needs to be. And it's about truly like your service people. There's a whole aspect where the meal has things that needs to happen from the flavor to the timing of the food coming out. Because you set the tone very much so like a piece of music. Depending on what you want to do, you either send the food out to that and we, we experienced that a little bit at the beginning with the brasserie where people were like, well, we, this is not a true French restaurant. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, there's no white tablecloth. Yeah, because it's a brasserie. It's not a fine dining restaurant. And if we had wanted Chouchou to be a fine dining restaurant, we would have put white tablecloth. There would have been sequence of service that would have been different. So there is a whole recipe of that where depending on the, what, you, what kind of experience you want to do, you set time sequences of, of things that happen. But that aspect of the fun and, and feeling that you want to come back, I think it's truly a combination of how you compose the menu and how you train your staff as well to not be too stiff in, 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 in the rules that you, that you impose on them. Yeah, and I think it, it goes back to what you were talking about, which is the passion behind understanding what this meal is about. I mean, like you said, you know, coming together with friends and family yeah. and you have this meal and it's this, you know, it, every it's an experience. And if you if your front of staff understands that, if your chefs understand that, if, you know, if that's kind of the buzz that's going around, then everybody that goes there is going to have that feeling and going to have that experience. And I think that there's times that that mindset is missing and that's when it's kind of like, ah, oh, you just kind of go there and eat. And, you know, we, <laughs> we have experienced that as well at Suddenly Fine Food at the Pearl because from the second that we opened up the restaurants, we stressed our staff as well that they were part of 120 years of history. We were, that was the first restaurant in the building, but we were uh, thousands and thousands of people before us had worked in that building. So mm. we as well, I think, explained that properly and they understood that they were just not servers. So they were ambassadors of 120 years mm. of wow. experience. And we still talk to them about that. And it was just like, we guys, we're just one small part of a group of people who were in that building for, and when you look at the wow. walls, when you touch the walls, it's all of that. So I think that it's it's really up to ownership as well to set the tone to the staff and say like, this is who we are. And at Solely, we are a group of people who have been here for over 120 years. So just squeeze right in there, 
find yourself who you are, and then you'll really see as well that for the people, they're going to feel that. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's maybe where in the, mm -hmm. in the awesome. solid group, Jerome and Jeff from the food uh, to the marketing and all of that, we truly go back to what it is. The same at Hot South, where Hot South is a baby of the original location of mm -hmm. Solidly, but it is really based on Jeff history with his roots being based in Galveston, mm -hmm. um, being a guy from the coast and all of that. And very much so the menu talks to that where the best compliment that we get is that when we have people from the coast or people coming from Louisiana and they try the fried chickens that we have or they try the, the shrimp boil or the biscuits that we have, they're like, tastes like my grandmother. Oh, and the second that awesome. you hear that, I just want to curl up on the floor, yeah. have, a, have a happy <laughs> little tears and just yeah. stood right back up and say, this wonderful. is what... Those are the things that truly like, I even like just talking about you, like those are the things that gets us mm -hmm. going though. And yeah. if, mm -hmm. and I tell the staff though, I was just like, if words like that don't get you excited, don't, maybe you're not in the right, maybe you're not in the right industry. Yeah. And, and, and we as well explain to them what mm -hmm. being in that industry means and yeah, makes so them true. Feel. Yeah, so true. I mean, we speak with a lot of um, fantastic chefs and restaurant owners and that is, that think that that is one of the reasons that they, stay in it and get so excited is because uh, is when they see that um you know diner ex enjoying their whatever they've been served their meal that they've worked so hard on that they are passionate about and then they see mm -hmm. them you know say oh my gosh this is so good and that's it it's like this is this is why we do what we do <laughs> so i compare my life to the one what's that movie with bill murray where he wakes up every morning mm, uh, uh, groundhog, groundhog day, day. yeah mm -hmm. our yes. life as restaurant owners is groundhog day Huh. So I take you to the last part of my day. You've gone through hell. It's been difficult. Uh, you've faced millions of uh, millions of, uh, of challenges during the day and you're going home and you're literally driving, like wondering what in the world uh, you're doing that for yourself. No? Mm -hmm. And then you're ready to quit. No? Morning comes about, you wake up, you forgot everything from the <laughs> night before because you are looking for that moment. Mm. You're looking for that guest calling you to the table and say, your service was wonderful. The food was amazing. You therefore go back to your servers and say like, great job, my friend. That guest was super happy with your service. You poke your head in the kitchen and you yell at all the cooks as like table 22, absolutely adore what you guys send out oh, over there. Powerful. And it's just like you yes. wipe clean um, the misery that you've put yourself through for the last 30 mm -hmm. years just goes away. Uh, and it's <laughs> like, okay, start, yeah. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I think it's a little bit like golf where you're awful for 17 holes <laughs> so and you hit that one damn drive on 18 uh, yeah. and you're like, okay, uh, yeah, maybe, you're ready to again. Go again. maybe I got I a chance at senior tour next year. <laughs> you know, I think it's those moments of life that this yeah. is why we do what we do. Um, yeah. Love that. So love cool. It. Well, Wow, we got a lot to cover still, but uh, yes. a lot of interesting stuff. When yes. we yeah, so we're we're gonna break for commercial, but when we come back, I'm so interested to know what in the world brought you to San Antonio. Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta get that. All yeah. right, Susie, San Antonio restaurant has the Gold Club, and people are loving it. It's amazing. It is. It is. If you are somebody who loves to go to restaurants, if you love to eat. Um, then you should be a Gold Club member. That's me. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> no, really, when we were developing this club, I mean, we had so many things that were important to us. Um, one, to incentivize people to 
try local restaurants. Um, so important um, to support the the local businesses in San Antonio. And on the flip side of that, you know, the customer, um, there's many people who love to go out to eat and for them to be able to go and get an incentive or, you know, a complimentary, um, something complimentary when they're there just because they're a gold member, maybe a percentage off their bill or whatever it is, um, it's exciting for that consumer as well. And so it, it helps everybody. That's right. So to be a, a, a San Antonio Restaurant Gold Club member, it's $8.88 mm-hmm. a month. But when you go to any of the 90-plus re- local restaurants that we've already curated for you, we've already picked out these are good restaurants. You can go there and you can mm-hmm. have a good time. When you go there, you can get some kind of a discount or maybe something a little tasting free, something special mm-hmm. that makes you a VIP. And as a Gold Club member, you also get invited to some incredible uh, VIP events. Yeah, the events are so much fun. I mean, we have events at several, at different. Try to have one about once a month, once every month, right around there. And but the restaurant typically will close their doors. It's a special, exclusive, private event just for Gold Club members, um, where we can they can come out, have tastings. A lot of times they get to meet the chef and the restaurant owner. Uh, maybe try a brand new menu item that the restaurant is testing or whatever it is. But it's it's a really fun, cool experience that you wouldn't get to, um, you know, be a part of. Otherwise, we even have classes. Um, some of our restaurants have done yeah. sushi classes. We've That's had right. tamale classes. We've had just a lot of fun things. The other cool thing about it is it is eight eighty eight a month, but the very first time you use it, and you can use it at restaurants all over as many times as you want throughout the month, um, one perk um, will is paid for the. I mean, yeah. you know, it pays the value for your is usually, almost always uh, the the value is more than eight dollars and eighty eight cents. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 just it's a no brainer. Everyone should join. So the best way to join mm-hmm. is to download our free app. Go to the Apple Store, or the Google Store, and search San Antonio Restaurants. We have an, a beautiful app that uh, Susie created. Did a wonderful job. On that app is the link to go to the Gold Club and join. So that way it's right on your phone. It's easy to get to. Mm-hmm. And uh, that app is going to lead you to a lot of cool stuff coming up yeah, soon. Yeah, this so. podcast and our magazine yeah. and um, so, some other really cool things that will be happening on there. So yeah. if, uh, if you haven't yet, you need to join the San Antonio Restaurant Gold Club. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye, guys. And we are back. And today we are talking with Philippe Place. Philippe is the one of the owners, and he's also the front of the house uh, superstar for the Southerly Hospitality Group, which means that the uh, Southerly at the per- at Pearl, they don't say the Pearl, it's Pearl. Pearl, Pearl yeah. yeah. We, we, we had learned that. Pearl. It was hard to get yeah. over. <laughs> also, uh, Southerly Hot South, and then, of course, Manchushu. And so Philippe is a master of what, you know, we had April guests on on the uh, podcast. April is the head of the CIA San Antonio, and she talked to us about the noble profession of service. And you're a master at that noble profession of service. And I don't know if it's more European, but it's something that's important that, uh, you know, to to take care of people and everything is, it's in your blood. So it's it's in my blood and... I came, uh, I came uh, to peace very early on in my life that I was meant to serve people. It's really something like that notion of service. Uh, um, too often, um, and generally speaking in the world, job, jobs of service are considered like not the greatest job. No, I, I found to the contrary that it's, yeah. I love the word that April used of noble, mm-hmm. noble job because there is no greater moment in your life when you are served properly and wherever that is. No, I often think, though, and it's going to be some of a strange um, 
But I think that nurses are some of the best when, when you talk about That's a service. Great example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I really see that uh, in the word hospitality, the word hospital and all of that, I've sometimes received some of the best care and the best service uh, during medical episodes of our lives and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the birth of children and all of that. Even coming back and say, like, I wish the restaurants, we could get that, that, that sort of <laughs> level of like yeah, care of and caring, all of that. So yeah. I think it's extremely noble. And I'm obviously like from an older uh, an older generation of where service was really and truly like I, I was so classically trained in the mm -hmm. in the world of five star. It's uh, it's my life, but I think that more importantly, that was to tr quickly not only accept but understand that my true talents in life was to serve people. So uh, and I've never changed. No, that that's something that I enjoy the very same way uh, today. The way that I did thirty uh, thirty four yeah. years ago, and, and it makes all the difference. I mean, you can, uh, of course, you know with this huge group that we have, you can go to a restaurant and the, the consumer um, enjoys every taste, every bite of the food. But if the service wasn't great, then yeah. they leave with, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. And it's tough, though, because we're uh, often as restaurant owners, though, we expose ourselves with having 15, 20 people, uh, um, 15 or 20 people on the floor. Um, what, what truly the challenge is every day is that you need your 15, 20 servers to all be in a great mood, to be willing to do that. Mm. And that's the job that they're paid for. It is a little bit of an unattainable um, yeah. goal to Reality. be able to do that. And it's so it, it, it's up to your management as well to recognize when you have one of your guys that's not, that's not doing well. I think it's really as well where I think that as a restaurant owner, you we have the chance to have some of the best managers that, that you can find and they... We train them really like I spend a great deal of time to say, like, keep an eye on your staff because we don't know. Um, we don't know what's going on in their life. You, you have a boyfriend that's not being nice that day. You have a parent that's illing. You, you can have a million things like mm -hmm. the toughness of life in general. So mm -hmm. you have to bring that to work and suddenly magically just turn it off and be your yeah. happy be self happy. and all of that. So it, it's, it's not, but that's the challenges that we embrace and that we accept when you start running your company for uh, in, wow. in the service cool. industry. Uh, I, it, yeah. I, it, I, it, I, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, man, these, um, you know, people that are, um, these young people who are working with you and for you, um, they're being trained by one of the best. How cool is that? I mean, you could be, t I mean, you are, I'm sure are really changing lives um, as as can people continue to move forward in their life, to have this grounding of, of, of training, kind of like you did, um, it's just so really you, awesome. You hope you do. I mean, it's 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 the the reality of every day's work. Uh, it might not feel like that for them at the time, uh, at when, the when you come and demand <laughs> yeah. certain right. things and all of that. Yeah. It's uh, looking back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 As, as you have back, I I've had really like some again as we were mm -hmm. sharing about those guest experience coming back and telling you like this is fantastic. I've had staff members who uh, I let go years back or things like that, just coming back to me and saying like, hey, you know what? Thank you for doing what you did. I really understood that. I don't think it's different where me growing up when my dad was telling me things and I'm like, that old guy is really a pain in my <laughs> right. butt now. And then I'm a dad now with two kids that are 19 and now 19 and 17. And I'm like, oh, my God, dad. If you hear me in heaven, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for all what the, I did and what sorry I for all those passionate conversations. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really, yeah. it's really those uh, those moments that you uh, that you do that, and you have as well to accept that sometimes 
your words are going to touch them. Sometimes that won't, but for every single one that learns a little lesson, then it's it's so mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah. such a it's it's such a worth moment to do. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back to your story. So uh, I think when we left your story, because we we got on this great discussion of service, you were you were in the military in France. Yep, uh, serving a five star general. And so where did, where does you go from there? So uh, as I come back, uh, I found myself uh, working for another year uh, in um, the same company, the same hotel chain that I was working when I worked at the Lutetien. Uh, I was director of the banquets. Mm -hmm. um, and then that job led me to, in fact, move uh, to uh, work at the Pavillon Le Doyen on the Champs-Élysées. Mm. which is a fantastic, so sort of a strange history where there was an actual hunting pavilion because before Paris was the Paris that we know, people were hunting in Paris. And that's kind of a, of a wow. crazy thought that was mm -hmm. like the building was from the late 1700s wow. where on the side of the Champs-Élysées, not far from the Seine, those were hunting grounds. No? So uh, really? it, it's really for, hard to imagine. For, for birds, that's, uh, for pheasant or something? Maybe? Yeah, 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 from, yeah. Uh, from, from all of that. So that's amazing. That was, uh, So it became a restaurant, and at the time that I worked, no, this was the only restaurant uh, who had a banquet facility that was run by a female chef in mm. France, which was an absolute and total wow. uh, revolution when you think about it. No? Mm -hmm. uh, she was a two-star macaron Michelin, and she wow. was running... Uh, Uh, she was the Margaret Thatcher of, uh, of the kitchen. Though. We, <laughs> she ruled by fear. Uh, and every single one of us did not breathe uh, a minute because <laughs> you were worried that something was going to go wrong. Never seen a kitchen so clean. Never seen a kitchen run so uh, properly. With as well, a world that starts changing at the time where you start seeing cameras, uh, cameras and film crew in the, in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm glad as I look back again, a little bit at that to see that the star chefs and everything were starting to really like kind of bloom mm -hmm. and doing that. And because of her status and because of how wonderful she was doing her name was, uh, her name is Guylaine Arabian, um, was just a fantastic, uh, fantastic lady. And again, I just learned from her of what it takes to maintain quality at all times. Mm -hmm. And that lady was relentless. Wow. She, I admire her because she was facing at the time, so much hurdles where every little things that she was doing. And I mean, she had a million pair of eyes of the guys in the kitchen looking at her and say like, can that lady cook mm -hmm. in that sort of setting? And yes, she could now, yeah. she could cook. So I worked there for three years. And then uh, one day I get a phone call from a friend of mine uh, that I had worked with and he's in uh, Lenox, Massachusetts in the Berkshires. And he was like, hey, we are looking for a director of food and beverage in our little hotel, would you be willing or would you be interested to talk some more about that? I'm like, this... So how old were you then, about 22? I was 26, yeah, 26, 27. Oh, 26, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm like, that sounds fantastic. Get in the plane, travel to New York City, from New York City, rent a car and go in the, go in the Berkshires, though, and then discover a new world, uh, mm. the East Coast. Right. Never been to the United States before. Uh, mm -hmm. My eyes are wide open. The hotel that I go to was a small property nestled in the hills of the Berkshire. Mm. 20 guest rooms, a beautiful restaurant that could, if Star Michelin's had been available at the time, we were easily like a one-star to two-star Michelin and all of that. And suddenly I'm sold. I'm like, this is my life. 
and I want to do that, and I want to try the American adventure, sure. like, uh, like you see in the movies, Noah. Um, <laughs> so I go home and literally tell all my friends and family and all of that, I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, moving, to the, I'm moving to the States, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. So they're, uh, they're all looking, say, don't do that, Philip. I'm like, no, I'm doing it. So I wait for my visa at the time back in... Uh, Back in 97, things were a little bit easier to yeah. get. So I get a three-year visa. And then my American adventure starts at that point where I leave my job in uh, in Paris. I take my suitcase and commit for three years to be the food and beverage manager of that beautiful little hotel. Wow, how it exciting. Was, it's called the Wheatley Hotel. It's in mm -hmm. Lenox, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Stunning little property. Still open. Still owned by the same people who owned it back then. And wow. just a fantastic time over there. So... Oh. Um, That leads me to the question that Susie asked me before, like how, uh, what happened at the Wheatley Hotel? Well, what happened is that for a short minute, I become slightly unprofessional when one of the beautiful bridesmaids of a wedding uh, <laughs> that I was standing to because I was a wedding planner as well, mm -hmm. tells me that she thinks I'm very nice and that she loves my accent. I tell her as a little joke that I think she looks beautiful and I'd like to marry her. And uh, that person is named Kimberly uh, Placé. She's my wow. wife uh, of cool. 23 years. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And my partner in crime of 26 because uh, from one conversation to the others, no, we end up uh, falling madly in love with, uh, with each other, having two children together. My oldest son, Remy, is soon to be 20, and Alexandre will be 18 uh, uh, soon after that as mm -hmm. well. So, And we made our home in San Antonio 23 years ago when wow. we moved to town. My father-in-law was a captain. And this is where she is from, right? This She's is, from oh, here. She grew, up, uh, she grew up here. My father-in-law was in the Air Force. Uh, captain Jim Davidson uh, put most of his career in the Air Force and then worked for another 15 years as a civilian in the Air Force as well. But they retired in San Antonio. They were stationed here for 10 or 12 years. And as a civilian, part of his work was as well here in, the, mm -hmm. in, the, in San Antonio. So we came down here. Neither one of us had any intention to stay in San Antonio. That wasn't really like, like hey, let's pick up our stuff. Uh, uh, Kim lived with me for a couple of years in, uh, in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and then we, uh, we, we came down here to get married. Uh, it was going to be easier for us to be here as we wanted the wedding to be in San Antonio. And then we both, I mean, she already loved San Antonio, but I fell in love very, very quickly. I was very fortunate as well to land a very good job Right on, as soon as I arrived, I found myself working at La Mansion del Rio Hotel, oh, yeah. where I worked for, uh, for nearly eight years as a director of the outlets. And uh, Kim, who's in the medical field, mm -hmm. found a job working for Methodist System. Now, if I remember, there, there's several French chefs that were at La Mansion, right? Is that, am, I, am I wrong? There am was I... one that I forgot the name of uh, okay. prior, to, uh, prior to us, but I have not known since then... I mm -hmm. had the incredible chance for the seven years that I was there to work with Scott Cohen, mm -hmm. who not only was a mentor, but he's a friend uh, and someone that I spent some of my best years working with. Because, again, we, we made an amazing team. And it's all about teamwork. At the end of the day, if you, right. you don't love the people you work with, you can't do the job that we do. And Scott was just someone where uh, I've, I've often said that I've had the greatest partner I've ever found in my life was my wife because uh, she keeps me sane. She keeps me focused on the things that I need to do. Um, but that's as well along the way I have worked with amazing partners mm -hmm. in my career as well, where 
it's somewhat of the same relationship that you have uh, yep. uh, because there are people that you spend an amazing amount of time with, mm -hmm. people that are going to see you at your best uh, and going to see you at your worst as well and, and, and facing as well very difficult time during a service, during sure. downturn economics and all of that where we're all sharing those moments very much so like you do with a partner at now. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for that, I feel that the people that have come in my journey have been such an influence uh, and I've really worked with some amazing people now. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. And, and so uh, moving moving forward from La Mansion, when when did you? Because you you and your wife, I think, together owned Coco Lounge. So that was a group of people uh, that were we were. That I was just not by myself. There was four uh, okay. four or five of us who were. And in that place. was a, a really nice lounge slash restaurant at two eighty one and sixteen oh four. And I'm in... sure I saw you back then because we went there quite a few times. It was <laughs> a great I, place. I'm sure. Yeah. So that was my first. That was my first adventure. That was my first place that I owned or co-owned mm -hmm. with um, with other people. And, and that was really a place where I made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of good decisions, but I was really more, I often look back at it as a tryout of all the things you can do and all the things that you should absolutely not um, not do. So I really look back at it as a uh, as a fantastic experience. No, it was difficult. A lot of things did not work the way mm -hmm. that I was hoping or wanted them to work. But it's, again, part of the journey. And I really think that uh, it, it ended up, we ended up having to close it. We did open it in 2008 at, when at the downturn of the economy. So that mm -hmm. was really was a, hard a very time. challenging time to mm -hmm. do that. But I've, I've, I look back at it and I'm just like, I know so much today because of all the mistakes that I've right. done that I've done back then. Yeah, or, everything is a learning experience that takes you to the next thing. Um, absolutely. So, and that one was lots of uh, <laughs> lots of mistakes made along the way, but I don't regret them. Sure. Uh, I, I really look back at them and say like, this was part of the journey. And I'm glad it came my way because it made me a better, it made me a better operator later on because I knew then to what mistake not to, um, yeah. not to make. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. And, and so uh, after that, how, how did suddenly the group come, come about? So after um, I kind of moved on from Coco, went and worked shortly for uh, for about a year, year and a half at the Elon Hotel. I was one of the first managers to open that, and mm. that was again that was part of the part of the journey. And then at that point, the name of Jerome Serro and Jeff Balfour comes into play, where Jerome, uh, who's a good friend of mine, uh, comes and say like, you know, you know Jeff Balfour, and I was like, I know Jeff Balfour very well because when he was at the, the when, when he was at the hotel, I forgot the name suddenly. Um, there wasn't the Contessa, the one that's dressed down, um, help well, me out, right there, on the right there on the river next to, uh, next to La Mansion. Uh, I'm blanking, shame on me on, uh, on uh, that one. But anyway, Jeff yeah. was, the, uh, Jeff was the, the head chef of, uh, of that place, and we had worked on many things. So I loved the guy. I thought he was really cool. He was kind of like guy all tattooed up and all of that and was like that yeah. guy is like he's a cool looking guy ah, yeah. a, i was like that's <laughs> jeff though i was like what yeah. so jerome says jeff is involved with something with uh, with something going on at pearl mm -hmm. would you want to talk to him and i'm like sounds exciting so i talked to jeff a little bit and i wasn't entirely sold because he mentioned brew pub and all of that and hadn't really the reality is that they had not mentioned that it was pearl they had mentioned that jeff was involved he was trying to recreate somewhat of a historical yeah. place with but, with but even with that no one knew what the pearl was going to be and at that, that was point. that was so very like, much so the case yeah. so finally jeff i sit down at the table with jeff and he takes me to pearl and shows me the current building 
that suddenly is in. And I'm like, such a beautiful I'm movie. like, Jeff, yeah. don't. I say, I drove eight years when I was going down at La Mansion, look to my right every single time and look at that building and wow. say like, what a beautiful building. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I knew of Pearl because I knew that Andrew had moved mm -hmm. Il Sonio in there and there were some of those new places mm -hmm. coming in there. But everybody was like, what's going on down there at the, at the Pearl? So we go and visit that. I knew about the boiler house and then Steve McHugh opening and all of mm -hmm. that. And Jeff shows me and instantly, I mean, I walked in the building and I remember the chill on the back of my wow. spine. I was like, this is stunning. We are able to open a restaurant in a brewery, in a building that's over 120 years old. And to me, that's where everything was starting. I was looking at Jeff. I love his demeanor. I love his culinary talent. I admire what he was doing. I was like, that guy is cool. I mean, look at him and look at what he does. I knew his food. I had been at his restaurants, uh, uh, Citrus. And, and I was like, that guy can cook them. So the whole conversation lasted about like two hours. And I was like, I'm in. I was like, I want to be your front of the house guy. I was like, just tell me what it takes to be there. But I feel it so much. No, and um, and that's where everything started. And and Jerome at the time was uh, was sort of uh, involved as well for uh, for some of the early on stages of uh, of suddenly, very briefly, um, when I say the name of Jerome, when I mentioned the name of Lutetia. There is a little story between Jerome and I that's highly unusual. Mm. Uh, back when uh, Kim moved, mm. when we moved to San Antonio, she decides to be such a trooper and goes and take French lessons, uh, adult French lessons. Mm. Uh, uh, and she comes back and she was like, I just met someone. And it's very strange because she's married with a, she's getting married to a French guy. And we talked about each other guys and it looks like you worked in the same hotel. And I was like, that's not possible. Well, it just happened that in 93, when I left to do my military service, Jerome Serro took over my position as director wow. of banquets at the Lutetia. <laughs> we never met, though. We were in Paris. We could have met in 1993 oh. in Paris. We never did. We met in 2001 in San Antonio. So again, I think it's that the fate. stars, yeah. yep. stars yep. were lined up. Exactly. Fate was, uh, yep. fate was there. So and amazing. Suddenly starts and and we know a little bit what uh, we know actually what suddenly did for uh, for Pearl and and all of that sort of becoming mm -hmm. one of the one of the dream that Jeff and Jerome and, and we had this come of become one of the staples of uh, the staples of the dining uh, in San Antonio and at the Pearl by providing true. Southern food uh, with a twist on Texas coastal uh, and, um, and, 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 and doing it in a building that mm -hmm. every day, I mean, the beauty of it is that you cannot walk into Southerly and, and not, not be taken it. aback. Uh, and I've walked in the building for over nine years now. Wow. And every time that I walk in and I open that big, beautiful door, I looked inside and I was like, this is magical. This is so beautiful. No? So mm -hmm. it's such a good positive. I joke with the guests and all of that, but how could it be negative energy in a building that brewed beer for over That's 100 true. I mean, those guys <laughs> were having true. fun. Right. I don't think that OSHA was involved. And no. I think that uh, the famous blue box, uh, which was truly like end of the shift uh, mm -hmm. outside of the door, help was a blue box. Help mm -hmm. yourself to a good mm -hmm. cold beer uh, yeah. when your shift was done. I think that all of that good vibe and energy stayed behind and yeah. hopefully mm -hmm. will stay forever in that building. And that I really so feel cool. that it's cool. the case. So then, so then from there, you, you guys opened Manchushu. So we, we grow. First, we open, 
what happened is that as we were, uh, we got uh, we got approached because they wanted to open a solely at the airport. Okay, that was during some controversial time that I won't be coming back on. But we did thought about a concept mm -hmm. that never was not picked up to be one of the location. But mm -hmm. we found ourselves with Hot South on our hands, and we we're like, we've got something that it's more of a little bit of a casual, more casual version. QSR type as we love quick service mm -hmm. restaurant as we love to um, as we love to call them. So we felt that some of the things that we couldn't really do at Southerly, we could do them in a QSR mm -hmm. with a more sandwich driven, lots of fried chicken and biscuits and waffles and all those, mm, those, those kind of wonderful <laughs> things that we are, mm -hmm. that we are doing and oysters. Uh, so we came up with the concept of Hootsart and we're able to find a location at the at the rib. We opened that up in September of uh, of 2020. So okay. if we can all remember, because we've all decided to not sometimes remember, September yep. of 2020 is the middle of COVID. Yeah, um, yeah it was heavy and, duty time right there. And we we were the we were the the foolish group that decided to open two restaurants. So Hot uh, <laughs> South in September and Monchouchou in uh, in December. But I'm Amazing. very proud of what we've done with Hot South. Uh, We're running again three years later, though I think we've become one of the one of the staples. The rim is a little bit of a difficult location sometimes. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, yeah, parking wise. Parking is, wise, is we, we sort of hear the, the same yeah. things. A little bit of a promise that. But it's worth it. it, it it's it is the, though they the they, fried chicken there. It was just voted one of the best fried chickens in the city. Yeah, it's it's up there. Mm -hmm. I, I really love what we are what we are doing over there. Though that was a long research of a couple of years of finding the perfect brine with the perfect mix of a. Uh, Of, uh, of the equipment that's needed to do a good fried chicken, and I'm mm -hmm. very proud of that, yeah. of the work and, that and, you do over there. And for those of you listening, uh, if you are a Gold Club member, exactly, yes, um, Southerly Hot is a, a gold-approved restaurant. Of, uh, yeah, and one of the gold members. They, yes. They've got a really cool perk. They have perk. a really cool perk. They've got one of their perks, their, your honey honey butter biscuit that, mm -hmm. you, that you have there, right? Yes, sir. As a gold member, you get a coupon that renews itself. So every day, every time you go, you get a free one. Yeah. You get a yeah, free biscuit. I know. That, that's pretty cool. So every, Plus 20, other every perks, 24 so. hours, it, it, it yeah. renews. So. Yeah. <laughs> so biscuits out of the oven, tossed into an amount of butter that I don't want to talk about on uh, on radio <laughs> because that, that should not be allowed. I think we could get sued for that. Don't. And then because we're not quite where we need to be, just sprinkle a little bit of uh, honey in that butter and just Yum. toss it now. Toss it a few yeah. more times. So when all right, we're going to close and go eat now. I so. know. Yeah, I'm, we're not. It, <laughs> we're close go. enough that maybe I can call them and have a quick delivery from my, hey, from, my, from us <laughs> on that uh, on that biscuit. So, uh, <laughs> right. but no, we are, we we love what's going on over there. Though very proud of them, and we're really hoping to take uh, to take Hot South on the road as well and open smaller locations, sort of refocus oh, a little bit on our QSR. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was supposed to be, when we opened it, though, yeah. it was supposed to be a counter Yeah, order. I remember you first used to order at the counter. Yeah, and, and, and then we, we got a little bit of pushback, and then COVID was really, as well at the time, like the six feet apart and all of that just mm -hmm. killed us on that one. So we still feel that that concept can still leave, um, uh, and the technology has changed as well three years later. So I think when... Uh, When the time is opportune and when the location is right, we are going to do that, promoting our beer as well. I still feel, feel that the beer that we produce at Pearl with uh, 
the chicken that we serve would be an absolute perfect combination. So mm -hmm. we're going to hear some more about Haute South on that. Very in the cool. amazing. And which which kind of leads to, um, you, you were mentioning earlier that you have um, branched out to a catering company, a brewery. Of course, you know, suddenly hot. You've got a lot going on. So we, we've got a lot going on. So we... We fought hard for two or three, the last two or three years, people were calling us uh, and wanted to do a little catering and we were not set for it. We didn't feel. And then at one point we looked at each other and said, guys, I mean, the guests, the people are begging us to do catering. Why? What, what is going on? Are we getting old? Are we just getting like, <laughs> what, what's happening here? So we chose not, uh, not, not to listen to ourselves and say like, no, this is what people are asking us and we're going to give them. So we, uh, We launched our catering company called Sense of Occasion uh, about three months ago. We had our first large-scale event at the Alamo, uh, where we hosted the birthday party of uh, twin brothers. Uh, and it was sort of an extravaganza. Mm -hmm. we, I had the absolute best time. There was a dual theme of Gatsby on one hand uh, and cowboys on the other hand. So mm -hmm. within the same moment, there were ladies walking with caviar bombs uh, Another one with Frito pies. Oh, wow. On one side of the buffet, <laughs> we were serving duck confit. And on the other side, we had brisket. Uh, and the guests had absolutely the, the best time. And uh, Jeff, Jerome, and I do have a lot of experience in catering. Uh, and it is a little bit where we're going to try to do those kinds of really like unusual uh, things, menus. Where, uh, we're working on finalizing the menu and have our website Up and people are going to see, though, we, we want to do something that's a little more upscale mm -hmm. with a lot of fun and, and sort of carry on. You really like, you you warm my heart, Erlen, uh, Alan, when you told me that it was fun to come to our restaurants. Mm -hmm. We want what the work that we do, we want it to be fun. Mm -hmm. I feel that we have in restaurants a responsibility to entertain people again, though. The last three, four years have been very challenging. The yeah. world has been challenging. We, we need some fun. I mean, you, you, you turn around from the different wars to, the, to everything that's going on. This is a heavy time for our kids, for ourselves, and all of that. So I feel that we have such a responsibility as well in restaurants to make the experience light and entertaining. And that's sort of the theme that we have with all the food that we are producing over there. Mm, we want wonderful. it to be memorable. We want it to be... Uh, We want it to be fun and very approachable. And we're going to do the same with our, uh, with our catering company. And for the beer, this is an ongoing project that we started when we opened up solidly as well with production. And we're still working on, on, on getting a little bit bigger with, uh, with the beer, which hopefully there'll be some news in the, in the future about that. Yay. Oh, okay. Exciting. A little teaser there. <laughs> a little teaser yeah. there. <laughs> Now, what about Manchushu? I mean, that, that's incredibly popular. Do you ever see opening a second one anywhere? I don't know. That's a very good question uh, because we love so much what we've done at that. I think that at the right time, uh, the right opportunity and the right location, this is not something that we are saying no to. At the same time, we really focus on what we have currently and hold south. Um, and uh, our uh, catering company are kind of going to be what, what next year we really want to keep on developing ourselves. But Shushu could be. And I think it's a... Uh, It's been a great success because that's something that San Antonio needed for a long time. And there's one thing where I correct the people when people come to me and say like, oh, with what you guys have done with Brasserie Monchouchou, it's not San Antonio. And to that, I say, big mistake. This is San Antonio. Mm -hmm. You're talking to me about a San Antonio of 15 years ago. So yeah, if you put Chouchou 15 years ago, we would not have expected that. Mm -hmm. You look today at the scene... Uh 
of San Antonio and Monchuchu is part of other things that have opened that have yes. made what San Antonio has become food wise which is we were for the longest time kind of like a little shy and a mm-hmm. little bit in our corner and looking at Austin and looking at Houston and say those guys in Dallas those guys really know what they're doing I don't need to look at Austin. Yeah. I don't need to look at Dallas. Look right I here. can look at all the restaurants that we have. Uh, and when I say we, it's the city as a whole. It's not mm-hmm. the Southerly group alone. Sure. Yeah. It's the things that are coming out. Yeah, we yeah. have grown up. We, we've grown up a lot. Mm-hmm. So when people say, well, it doesn't feel like San Antonio. No, it doesn't because it really looks a lot like Paris. But this is the new San Antonio. Exactly. And I'm very proud that we are part of... Uh, Restaurants that are opening one after the others uh, that. that are bringing the food scene, and it's good. Sh- it's it's a good challenge for us operators as well. As you see new place opening, um, you just tied up your show a little bit more, and you're just like, am I still as edgy as I think I am? Am I still providing the best service? Is there things that we can do better? So, all of those new places opening, they are important for all of us because that keeps us honest with our operation mm-hmm. and sort of like naturally forces us to still operate at very high level. So yeah. I love yeah. that. And, and, and for those of you listening out there, I think everyone knows, or you, if you don't know, you should know the kind of menu you have at Manchushu. It's really good. Don't sleep on that brunch. Y'all have a really, really delicious yeah. brunch. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's funny because the brunch, um, we never really talked about it, huh? but it's like one of the things that happened at the Pearl is that because of the markets and all mm-hmm. of that, there is a large amount of people walking. Mm-hmm. And I still really love the feel of Pearl uh, on a Sunday oh, morning. Yes. You know, the so fact that you can walk that. Beautiful. So would, much fun. To, to me, and I think everyone will agree with that, is there's no other places where it feels like you're in a little village somewhere where you don't know where you are. And that's the part that I love is that Pearl has created that, is that you walk, there's hundreds of people. It's still, it's a fun atmosphere. Again, the theme coming back of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the little market and then you have all those great restaurants opening all of that. But yeah, I think that Laurent did some crazy, uh, crazy things there with the, my favorite one is that little puff pastry oh. with a, with a, uh, with a spinach inside. Yeah. That's, uh, this is just magical though. That's, uh, and then this <laughs> Parisian omelette, uh, that thing that's uh, one of the hardest thing to do. Uh, Scott Cohen, that I mentioned earlier from La Mansion will mm-hmm. tell you that if really to know the skill level of a chef, don't you should put him in front of a pan and uh, and three eggs and ask him to do a French omelette and see how good he is. No, absolutely. And I'm not very good at it, so that's why I'm never <laughs> let in the back of the house and well, they could I be in the front. I was at an event and um, you were there. I think it was Southerly um, was being represented, and the it was a. I remember you telling me, uh, explaining the bite, and it was a simple bite. It had, a, a I think, a, a biscuit on the bottom, and it had um, a, a, a potato on the um, in between, and so, it yeah, had that, a... Oh that, was, that was for, the, that, was for um, that little event that Susan puts yes, together for, yes. the, for culinaria. Yes. So, yeah, if I recall, we had a little uh, little potato. There was a little croquette of, uh, mm-hmm, of potatoes, mm-hmm. and on top of that was a little beef cheek. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was yummy. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, and I was thinking, oh, oh, this is this a simple, you know? Oh, I took a bite, and I, it, yeah, it was. It, it's <laughs> it's one of the, the things that I love so much about what Jeff and Laurent are doing when it comes to the when it comes to the food is that you have those bites with flavor with flavor. So where it really like that, and that's something that's the magic that I don't understand. Where when you're really good as mm-hmm. a chef, you understand that and all of that, but. Yeah that perfect match of the acidity, the salt, the fat, 
the texture of the food and, and everything. And the butter. And you can taste the butter in that. <laughs> one, one of the things <laughs> that always shocks me is that you, you go sometimes um, and then you're just like, did somebody really like tasted that before to send it? Mm. Did, does anyone yeah. know that salt really does magic in that? Mm -hmm. So maybe I should not deliver the, the, the big secret of, of cooking as well that put a little bit of salt when the food lacks a little bit sure. and then you're going to find yourself with suddenly all of that. But that's what I love with Jeff's food yeah. and Laurent's food is that those guys, when it comes to seasoning, you know that you have that. And, and like you said, you know, you could even taste the butter. Yes. One of my life motto, life is better with butter. It was the one that I had to run back before we left and grab one more. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I remember <laughs> so, you doing that, Susie. I, I remember did. you doing that. So. I was like, That's yeah, I'm just going to get one more. <laughs> That's great. Well, Philippe, we're going to have to wrap it up. We, you know, we've already been going uh, longer than we normally do. But before we do, I read a story in the in the paper, and and I'd love for you to tell the story because I thought it was hilarious. Tell us a story about the fly and somebody's drink. Oh my uh, God, that story that I told. So, yes, uh, <laughs> a young me, young eighteen years old, uh, Philippe Lassé at the Claridges in London. So I was doing breakfast and. Uh, breakfast and lunch service at the, at the time. And again, though, you would not walk into that hotel without wearing a sports coat with a shirt and a tie. So that was the requirement for any guy walking into the, into the dining room. The breakfast maitre d', was, his name was Mr. Williams, uh, was a six foot four British gentleman, passionate about uh, any English sports and some of them that I never heard of and could never understand because he was teaching us the, the rules. So just to set you up a little bit, all wearing long tail tuxedos and really being pretty impressive in his stature. And now we have a guest coming, uh, happens to be an American guest, um, wearing a total neck with a sports coat, but cannot get in because not wearing a tie. So mm. Mr. Williams goes to him and say, you have to wear a tie. Guy was a New Yorker, not super nice, not happy about that. But he was like, you want breakfast? You're going to be wearing a tie. So the guy puts the tie over his turtleneck and he's annoyed beyond <laughs> measure at this point. So um, I'm doing my thing. Uh, and suddenly, as I'm like cleaning up a little bit my station, I see the very same guy calling, raising his arm and, and being a little bit noisy about it. So the dining room starts of getting a little quiet. I'm like, OK. I, I mean, so I run to the guest and the guest points out with his finger that inside his glass of orange juice, there is a fly. So I'm like, we are in major trouble. Fly inside the orange juice. Yeah. By all Claridge standards, no, we've, we've reached the highest level of emergency. So <laughs> as fast right. as I can without walking, but more which would have been considered a glide. I go to Mr. Williams and was like, Mr. Williams, terrible. There is a fly in the orange juice. The guest is mad. That's the guy that you told him to wear a tie. He's like, Philippe, calm. I'm going to go and see what's going on. So he walks to the table. The guy's raising his voice. At that point, the entire dining room is very quiet. And then he looks at me, snaps his fingers, and says, like, bring me a spoon. And I was fairly far from here, but I hear the big voice of Mr. Williams uh, <laughs> doing that. So at this, no, no noise in the dining room. It's very rare that everybody, like, and everyone is staring at Mr. Williams, looking over this guy, towering over the <laughs> over the table so i run with my coffee spoons he grabs the fly out of the orange juice and then takes it to his eye and for what felt to me that was like 15 minutes <laughs> but most likely must have been just about 30 seconds no 
and finally looks at the fly, puts the fly back in the orange juice, grabs the glass and look at the guest and tells the guest and say, after observing for a long time, I can assure you that that fly is not wearing a tie. Therefore, this is not a Claridge's oh, no. fly. And just walks away. He gets a standing ovation oh, oh. from the entire animal. The most British moment oh, I've ever so experienced funny. in my whole career. The guy was mad, stormed out of the dining room, he was probably in went shock. to complain to the general manager who found the story very amusing, offered a comp room to the guest and told him that he needed to be a little more in tune with his English sense of uh, sense of humor, humor. But I learned from that moment that nothing is impossible when it comes to turning around a guest experience with the right mm -hmm. words and with the right demeanor. And to me, this was like a lesson that I remember. Of course, first, I thought that was the most gutsy and hilarious <laughs> thing to tell to a guest that's already mad at you. Absolutely. And I've, uh, I've never been able to pull the to pull the fly joke on anyone in, uh, in my guest. But I hope, I have a secret hope that Someday one, uh, one day I'm going to try. Let's see how that works out for me. I, I love the lesson that you pulled from that, though, you know. And it's a life lesson. You're right. I mean, you can, there's always something that you can do to change the yeah. situation. And yeah. To, yeah. This, is, this is the world we live in. You know, it's yeah. uh, people get very passionate about, the, about their dining experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes... You, uh, you want to pull your hair, in my case, none, none left, so I'm all good. But it's, uh, you, you see that, and then I understand at the same time, and I think that when we choose to do what we do, this is part of the, that comes with the, that comes for the experience. And I think that it, in ways, it keeps you always on your toes. Sure. You, you always want to do better because you do not want to be called out on things that your staff does and all of that. So it's yeah. a, it comes with the territory, though, and I'm, uh, I'm blessed that I'm able to do what I've loved for so many years. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. Well, you're great, Philippe. Thank you very much for being here today. Uh, and we, you could just be our regular guest. You just come every <laughs> week, <laughs> all right? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the thing is, is now, now I'm like, okay, um, tomorrow I'm, I'll be at Southerly Hot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this weekend I'm going to be at Pearl. Right. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Thank you for having me both, guys. I really appreciate spending the time and sharing a little bit of the of the journey that are amazing uh, are so Business happy to have is you. Yeah, yeah. happy yeah. to have you and happy to have Southerly Hot South as one of our gold-approved restaurants and has yes. some great perks. For Everyone sure. needs to, to take a look at your perks and, and use them. And yeah. Yes, go. Yeah, go visit. Go and show us a little love over there at mm -hmm. the, at Road South. I'm very proud of the menu, very proud of the team that works over there. So for the for our guests that lives in the, for our listeners that are on that side of town and mm -hmm. the ones that are not always on that side of town, just now, just, just make over. a little drive just now. Show a little patience with parking over there. I wish the, the parking was a little bit easier, but well worth it once you put that bite of, uh, of honey butter biscuit yes. in your mouth. Or you, and you fried forget, chicken. Yeah, you'll yeah. forget about your, That's uh, right, exactly. your parking experience. <laughs> right. no That's it. That's it. All right. So when you go to Southerly Hot South or Southerly or Manchushu, uh, take a look around. Philippe might be there. So uh, call yeah. him over and, and have him entertain you. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to be around. I go and visit all the... All the places I spend a little more of my time at the Pearl between Southerly and, uh, mm -hmm. and Monchouchou. But I go and see my, my teams over there at uh, Hot South. And we keep talking about how we can make things better and, and how they feel and all of that. But I'll, I'll be there every once in a while as well. So I look awesome. forward to seeing you. Well, thank you. You've been a delight. Yes, thank you so much. All thank right, you Susie. very much. So uh, I guess we better close up this one a little bit longer than normal, which is great. Yes, and we're going to have to have you back on again. So we will... Uh, we'll have him back on for sure and and then we'll uh, we have another guest next week we do we yeah. do yeah 
All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to share with your friends. It's it's the more you know, the better it tastes. Every week we have great guests. I think Philippe is now number episode number 58. 58. So we have 58 episodes yes, out there. Lots of good interviews. Before we sign out, just want to say that we are here at the Peachtree Rose Marketing Studio. And our podcast studio is fantastic. Um, absolutely great group. So if you're somebody who's interested in starting your own podcast, this is the perfect place to go. Yeah, we're to. right at the corner of I-10 and 410. So mm-hmm. uh, look up Peachtree Rose Marketing. It's yes, a great place. Absolutely. All right. Well, Susie, thank you. Thank you. Philippe, thank you again. Thank you again, guys. Thank what you a, so much. What a fun hour spend with yeah, you guys. Yeah, no. so cool. Thank, thank you, you so much. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye, guys. Have a great day and eat local.